Welcome back to episode 96 of the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. Today, we bring you another Voices of Marvel segment. This is Judy Stevens, producer. First, a huge welcome to all our new listeners. Thanks for joining in. Today, we're continuing our new series, The Voices of Marvel, a celebration of the creative voices here at Marvel, those who built Marvel's legacy, and those who continue to move it forward. A true behind-the-scenes look as to who they are as artists, storytellers, and of course, Marvel fans. Here at Marvel, comic events are a huge experience for the editors, writers, artists, and fans. And as we head towards Civil War II, we welcome Brian Michael Bendis to the podcast. As a writer for Marvel for over 15 years, Brian has written a wide range of characters, stories, and events, including creating Jessica Jones for the Alias storyline, rethinking Spider-Man for the Ultimate Universe, and tackling huge events such as Secret War, Secret Invasion, House of M, Age of Ultron, and now Civil War II. Join us as we welcome Brian to the podcast. Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer. This is Sana Manith, director of content and character development. Um, and we're coming to you actually right after the famous Marvel retreat, and um, where we talked about a lot of things, killed some of your favorite characters, as we do. And I have one of my favorite writers that I've worked with, um, one of the first writers actually I've ever worked with at Marvel, uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Hi. Hello. Hi. You know what people love more than when we kill their characters and when we joke flippantly about it? That I did it, <laughs> I did it yesterday. I, I wrote, uh, hey, Marvel Retreat Day 2. A lot of things happen, and we killed some of your favorite characters. And it was like, <laughs> but no, hilariously, it was about 85 versions of the, oh, no, US-1, oh, no, like whatever lame character you could possibly right. come up with. Yeah. So. Yes, we hold their jewels in their hands. Yes, our we hands. have all the power. Yes, we have all of the power. Of life and death. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know who Brian Bendis is, which is surprising, uh, he has written everything from Ultimate Spider-Man to Powers uh, to currently writing Iron Man for us, and then, of course, uh, uh, creating Miles Morales Spider-Man which was also a series I worked on. Yes. And uh, one of my favorite series to have worked on with you, of course. And I, I think, I think Jessica Jones gets me into the Woman of Marvel Jessica podcast. Jones, yes. I just want to earn my way in here. So. You have. You've, you've earned okay. your stripes. Well, that, that, Congratulations. That, that's my... All right. This right. is how we validate having guys on the podcast, <laughs> by doing this. Yes. <laughs> um, so why don't... I guess we can kind of just dive in and talk a little bit about... Um, who Brian Bendis was before being a comics writer and how you got there. I don't... You don't know? Really, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who I am. I, I, I honestly had declared at an early age at a, at, a, at a Passover dinner, not unlike the one I'm about to have, um, 
I, I, I said I'm going to be the the artist of Spider-Man. I like I didn't even know what it meant, and I I walked into my house and I declared it, and it was basically like I loved comics so much, even as a as a youngin, that I I as soon as I could figure out there were names in front of the comics. Yeah. Oh, and these are the people I that I I wanted I want to go to there. <laughs> I want to do that, and um, I, I just started a lifelong quest. I even as a young person would spend all my time. Drawing and drawing and drawing and and then storytelling and storytelling and then um, the universe showed me that I'm a writer. And, uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's very it's very rare like like this happened, but I was writing and drawing my own graphic novels all through college and all through the '90s, um, and uh, never making a living at it, but never costing anybody any money. Like I'd, I'd make like four hundred dollars off of like a Jinx graphic novel. I'm like, well, and they let me make another one as long as you know, you know and. Uh, uh, and I would draw caricatures um, on the weekend at like bat mitzvahs and weddings. Like I'd be paid pretty well, like seventy five bucks an hour, just to sit and draw caricatures. And that would pretty much cover my bills for the week. Like I get two good gigs. It was a nightmare. I really hated. I mean, I, I know people are like oh, that sounds great. And I'm like, it was like drunk people like sit down <laughs> and go, hey, don't forget her mustache. Like a couple that hated each other just drunk. And again, I, I was like, oh, please get me out of this. And uh, when the sixth issue of Ultimate Spider-Man hit, I, I finally turned to my wife. I go, I, I have to stop doing. That. Like please, because <laughs> we don't. You know, it could have been canceled after six issues. Ultimate Spider-Man. No, no. So anyway, so I, I spent most of uh, the '90s writing and drawing uh, crime graphic novels. Uh, Jing Skullfish Torso primarily um, always nicely received never really broke into that next level of indie darling it just it just enough where I wasn't embarrassing myself and 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 I I would truthfully get better with each one like um, and then uh, you know, other gigs happened, but then uh, my friend David Mack got a, got a job uh, working on Daredevil here, and he's one of my best friends, and I loved what Joe Quesada was doing with Marvel Knights. I'm like, well, there are some books I would read, you know what I mean? Like, And uh, hold on, I'm going to take a sip. Here what happens. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then... Um, and then, and then I, I was like to David, I was like, show Joe my stuff. I think he might like it. And then one day Joe called and said... Uh, um, yeah, I really, I really like your stuff. What would you do if you could come to Marvel and do anything you'd want? What would you want to do? And I went like, well, what do you need an artist for? And there was this awkward dead silence. And he goes, your art's terrible. You, you know, he goes, you know, you're a writer, right? I'm like, yeah. and, but honestly, the thought in my head after I thought about it was like, if this works out, this is the kind of person you want to work for because you want honesty. You want someone who's got your best interest at heart. And and, and truthfully. Uh, he was right because the minute I stopped drawing my own stuff and was writing for other people to draw awards, money, earn a living, it was like it, it, it was. I mean, you know, the Lord has spoken, and uh, 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 and that's what I've been doing. And that's since. why you write so many back-to-back spreads. Well, I, no, did you I, always do that? No, I did always do that, but it's funny because I used to do it because I I love opening the turning the page and. There's 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 an experience mm-hmm. that you can see and then delve into and I did kind of steal that from Alan Moore a little bit but then uh, when we got into our job here I realized oh if I control the double page spreads I can control the ad placement mm-hmm. and I know we need the ads to pay our bills I get <laughs> I, I, I get paid because there's ads but you know on television they don't just throw up an ad right in the middle of a scene. 
you know, they go, we'll be right back. And then they show a commercial. And in comics, you're like in the middle of a sometimes a very a happy story, a sad story. And then you turn the page, Skittles. And it's, it's, it's very, can be very disrupting. And remember a few years ago, they had those ads where it was like a mouth sewn up or an ear sewn yeah. up. And you couldn't even tell what body part it was. It was just. Uh, there's some pretty bad ones. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a story killer. Yeah, it was, yeah. you know, and, uh, and they had a good message, I think. I remember what it was. But it was, it was, it was a story killer. And, uh. Um, the the one that happened to me on Ultimate Spider-Man uh, is uh, issue 13 of Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, uh, Peter Parker uh, comes out to Mary Jane as, as Spider-Man, and he goes, I'm Spider-Man, and you turn the page. And it was an ad for Tobacco is Wacko, and it was a, a, a drawing of a comic book girl going, Bwah! like that. So it looks like I'm Spider-Man. Like that. <laughs> and actually... Not the what I was going for. Yeah. So and it actually could look like a Bagley drawing kinda, of, but it wasn't. But yeah. it's just enough where it would take you a minute to yeah. find your way Get back confused, into the story. Yeah. So then I started with the double page spreads. Um if if it served the story that I could control a little bit of Well so let's pacing. actually talk about the process, um, like what your actual writing process is. And this is really helpful. We have a lot of people who are like, I wanna write, how do we write? I think getting an understanding of when someone's like, hey, you're going to write, let's go back, let's go to Ultimate Spider-Man, right? Mm -hmm. You had to go in and kind of reinvent a character that existed for so long and make him modern. Yeah, and... and, and what What's the process there? Yeah. There's a lot of different things, and, and just so people know, I actually teach uh, writing at Portland State University, and uh, I have a book out at Random House called Words for Pictures, which is kind of the class, and... What, what's so frustrating for people who want to make comics for a living is that there's no, this is how you do it. In film and television, there is a format and a structure and programs you should use. And if you don't use them, it means you don't know what you're doing and you're out, right? Whereas in comics, literally anything you can do in the script that informs the artist of what they need to do is right. Right, and okay. so we have, and you've seen many. There's there's writers who are extremely verbose and write every thought they have in their head, and there's other uh, other writers who are uh, famously write their scripts on the back of bar napkins and hand them in with the stains <laughs> on them, and and yet get better results than me. You know, it, it's it's and and that is also like like somebody can write their script on a cocktail napkin and create the best comic ever, and I could labor over my thing and my final draft of program and and and. And struggle all the way, or at least it always seems that you know that someone has it easier than us. But um, so there's no right or wrong way. There's just things that work for that person. And the thesis of my book is to have all these different creators and editors talk about what works for them, and that the and the writer can then pluck what they think most speaks to them and, and start their journey. Um, and but for me. Uh, I was fascinated with playwriting mm -hmm. and and started formatting my scripts around the, the way playwrights write, okay. which is which ends up being very dialogue heavy because so many plays are so um, obviously dialogue driven. Um, it's the kind of drama that I like. It's the kind of writing that I like to read. It just, and so I, I would do that, and I did it in in the, the crime genre all through the '90s. And and but every issue would almost be a play unto itself. Mm -hmm. And even like that issue I just brought up, the Ultimate Spider-Man, where he comes out to Mary Jane. It's it's a one it's a one act play. Mm -hmm. It all takes place literally on the foot of a bed, mm -hmm. and they're just in there talking. It's just what I like. I also like big giant blow them up, you know, kicking Galactus in the balls. And I, I like that stuff too. But uh, my 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 resting face is two people really emoting, two people uh, expressing uh, that which is the hardest thing for them to express. 
Um, so with that, I spend a great deal of time listening to the way people talk, listening to what they say, listening to what they don't say. We just left a room that was filled with fascinating people not saying what they wanted to say <laughs> yeah. or saying things they regretted saying. And, and, uh, uh, and these are all writers. They know better. And still, yeah. you know, it, it's, it, it's fascinating. I love the musicality of dialogue. It, it, it drives me crazy. I love just even how I've said this sentence. I've stuttered and stammered and started over again once. And uh, that's what I like. That's what I like. I like. I think it brings a reality and a realism to, to characters that are not known for that. But if you do it right, when they put on the Spider-Man costume and off they go, it's so much more believable. Yeah. That's what I thought. It comes from a philosophy uh, that I that I came with years ago. I was watching a, a Sting documentary of all, all, all people. Okay. Yeah, and no, but he talked about how rock and roll was a bastard art form. That when people just imitate rock and roll, it just becomes imitations of other rock and roll. But when people pull in outside elements into it, jazz, opera, R&B, uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it elevates. And he goes, and almost by definition, you've created something new and fresh because you brought something that you love into something that you love, and here's something else. And I immediately saw comics is the same way. Comics are not screenwriting. They're not poetry. They're not prose writing. They're not line art. They're not photography. They're not yeah. painting. They're all of these things and, and so much more. Anything that makes the sequential images in any format mm -hmm. is a comic book. So then you start thinking about what do I like? What do I want to bring from outside? And I love playwriting and I love um, cinematography. Not just filmmaking, but actually the art of cinematography. It drives me crazy. I love it so much. And it inspires me through almost all, everything that I write. So that's yeah. when I started dedicating it to this stuff. And some people mistake that for cinematic, and I get that because mm -hmm. there, there are things that are cinematic quality, particularly when it's being... Um, funneled through an artist who will have a very cinematic look to it but mm -hmm. but I know that it's really when, when I'm talking to the artist I'm talking in terms of a cinematographer's work yeah and they say that like actual genius comes from divergent points of view coming together mm -hmm. like so what you're borrowing from how you're collaborating I think that is really what the success actually of Marvel has been in the last few years Absolutely. has been that these different points of view you coming with sort of a playwright background someone else coming from like a novelist background and being able to put those perspectives on our characters that's what this podcast Voices of Marvel is all about is kind of cele yeah. is, is, is celebrating that fact which I think is important so Absolutely right. And with Spider-Man, um, this was actually something they were working on behind the scenes way before anyone knew my name. They, it would actually it was called Ground Zero Comics. So that would have been maybe the worst um, marketing. Yeah, horrible. Would have been <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, and this is two years before that, but they, it was called Ground Zero Comics and with Spider-Man and X-Men. And they were working with other writers and artists, and it just wasn't coming together. And I, I um, through that conversation with Joe, they had offered me Daredevil because Daredevil was kind of off the rails. Kevin Smith had not handed in his last issues, mm -hmm. and it was this flagship title that had not, it was losing its way. And then um, Joe said, you know what would really be a help to me? Could you do me a favor? Could you and David Mack like, take over Daredevil for a few issues? Just yeah. to, And I was like, that's a favor to you? And I, was <laughs> like, I would do it for free. And, uh, um, and I handed in my first couple issues. Uh, and um, I, I, got, I got a call that said, do you like Spider-Man? 
And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I'm, a, uh, I'm in the anti. I go, I go, yeah, why? What's up? He goes, what do you think about starting Spider-Man over from scratch? And I'm like, well, that maybe is the best reaction to handing in the script because I, I think editors, you, editor, you know, mm-hmm. the best thing you can ever hope for when you hand in the script is they offer you more work. That like you wrote something that made people think, you know what else? I want more of this. And uh, uh, it was it really was like after, and I will say I've been I had been submitting to Marvel since I was eight years old since I could put wow. since I could put submissions in an envelope and mail them, uh, including all the way through the '90s with my graphic novel. I had been mailing stuff into this company for years and years. Where do we, uh, get, a, where do we get a hands on these pictures? <laughs> oh, no, there I, 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 you know what? And I, I tell you, um, Carl Potts, who used to be a, a managing editor here, was yeah. very gracious to me when I was, he would write me back and send me tips and stuff. And I was, one of, the, one of the best things about actually getting up in the business is that you can then turn to people who were genuinely helpful to you yeah. and tell them, thank you, you were very helpful to me. And then yeah. at the same time, make them feel incredibly old. <laughs> I'm hardly 14, and I'm coming up to when I was a baby. You really helped me. I'm like, all right, boys. so. But uh, but truthfully, he and Walt Simonson and other people had had graciously responded to my to my um, submissions, and you know, of course, reje- I, I have a box of rejection letters. I saw Jim Lee actually posted some of his rejection letters from yeah. the 80s, uh, and I was like, I have those. I should post mine too because yeah. I do think they're very inspiring. Like, oh, they rejected Jim Lee. Yeah, just keep going, you know. So. Um, yeah, and, and hilariously, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man started cooking, um, working on Daredevil. Me and David Mack were in town. They said, come on up. So I got to come up, and the, the place was actually in bankruptcy at the time. So yeah. it was a little depressing, not like it is now. It was yeah. They were actually selling filing cabinets for cash. And um, wow. no, I literally came in, and it was a room, a pile of cabinets, and it's with a post-it note that said, sold. <laughs> And I, and I walked in. I was introduced to everybody, and I and I looked, and it was Tom Brevard's office. And I saw on every editor has a desk with a pile of recent mail, and they're mostly submissions. And my mom works in publishing, so she told me one of the tricks is instead of using a Manila envelope, put it in like a red Manila envelope or a purple one, like pick out yeah. a different color because subconsciously the editor thinks they're getting a present. <laughs> Like everything else is brown, they go. But they'll open this one because it's purple. Oh, maybe it's my birthday, and and they'll yeah. open it, and it's your submission. But it gives you just more of a chance. But so I walk into Tom's office, and I clear as day saw on the bottom of his pile my purple envelope <laughs> that, with my latest stuff that would never be opened. You know, never be seen. So it was. It was and that. you're defeated. You're like, mom. Yeah, no, but, but it, it did make it, it, the opposite happen. I was like, oh. it did make me feel like, wow, what the, the odds of him actually opening that? Yeah. Because he's busy, not because he hates me. Because like right. a lot of writers and artists get very frustrated by the submission process because mm-hmm. it is like just buying a lottery ticket. You're just paying postage. It's just lottery tickets, you know. Uh, and maybe one day he would open it on the right day at the right time, but, you know. Yeah. Joe did write, open his on the right time. But Tom would never, but it was very funny to walk in the office and actually see your submission. <laughs> it just, I, you know. So, I mean, you've been writing for us for a very long time, ten, over 10 years now, yeah. and you've hit some pretty tricky uh, issues. Is 17. 17. 17. Wow. I started in 1999, even though the first thing was published in... Uh, 
2000. 2000, yeah. yeah. I, I, it was 1999. I've been exclusive. I remember we since. threw you like a 10-year-old, 10-year it, birthday party. It was super sweet. In the old office, yeah. yeah. It was super sweet. It was, a, it was a genuine surprise, and this place isn't known for their surprises. Yeah. You know, someone always tells you something. And, and that and, was seven years ago. Yeah, it was super yeah. sweet. I yeah. have photos from that. Yeah, I'll have to I post did. them. I, I recently came across them, too. I was like looking for some, and I was like, oh, that was super sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so you you wrote some pretty difficult and tricky, sometimes sort of social impacting issues. How do you tackle things like that? It never gets more complicated than making books that I would buy. And I do have a wide berth of things that I would buy. Like I would buy, um, you know, I would buy Guardians of the Galaxy and I would buy um, Jason Shiga's work. Like I, I like a lot of different things. But when I sit down to... Right, I just really think about how expensive these books are, and and it's make it worth someone's time and money. You know, like like sometimes a lot of our fans they've made a choice that they're going to buy comics instead of something, and so you just want to make sure that it's something they'll they'll think about, or or it'll it'll carry with them, or just you know at bare minimum just give them twenty minutes and don't have to think about their shitty life for a second. You know, they can sit on the toilet and just veg for a minute, and enjoy your work. So, so it becomes to that. But then I I do I I get. I, I, there's just things in the world that start getting under your skin, and then you want to, you just want to see more representation of it. Or more times than not, I don't understand why this is happening, and I'm going to write about it. Sometimes from the point of view of the person that, like, 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 you know, we watch. We're tonight. We're we're, we're the day after the the New York. Uh, uh, primaries, and you know there was a lot of things going on in the city that I was just like I don't understand what you're thinking, I don't understand what you want, and and so as a writer you just go I'm going to write about that now until I figure it out. It's the opposite. The the mistake some people make is that they start writing speeches about the thing they already think about. Like I know what I like, so I'm going to yell at you until you like it too. I, I tend to not always consciously in fact that's the best stuff when you look back and go oh I'm glad I have an outlet um, is, is start questioning things through your work by trying to figure it out so well we were talking about this earlier today yes. was how do you like because you you're, I mean you're, you're dealing with um, some really intense issues with Jessica Jones uh, and then of course dealing with Miles Morales and sort of the, the, the cultural expectations that come with having a black Latino Spider-Man and, and what that means but what are I mean I think this is really important to bring up because I feel like you and I have dealt with this in different ways but yeah. like how do I, you I feel deal you with... and I are on a path, a um, parallel path. <laughs> or, um, yeah. um, uh, don't you think so, Tom? Yeah. Like, like there's like that, that we didn't mean to do, but it just keeps it just going. Keeps, yeah. keeps happening. Yeah. yeah. But so, how do you deal with like all of these expectations that people are kind of coming in and saying, "Why don't you do all of the things that we want for for Miles Morales? I want this experience because that's my experience, and I'm." I, I'm black or I'm Latino, and how, how do you tackle that? I learned, I, this is the only thing I ever learned from a message board. I had a, I had a message board yeah. for years and years um, at my website, and um, when I first started at Marvel, I was confused by why are you buying it if you don't like it or, or, or that you think you don't like it you know right. that, yeah, and, and, I, and it did it confused me like I don't have the time or inclination or patience to read or watch anything you know I got kids I, I don't have time to just you know and um, 
So, so I literally asked the question. I go, it, it, what, what's going on here? Like, why are you buying? Like, what? Like, you're yelling at me because so you care. And then one of one of my readers who, who got me said, just here's the deal. You're not a sports fan. Like you. Throughout your whole lifetime, you followed creators. We can tell from the way you do interviews. Like, where George Perez went, you went. Where Walt Simonson went, you went. We're, like, Marvel fans. Like, we're, like, mm-hmm. Yankees fans. It's like a sports analogy, so I'm going to explain it to you, because you don't know sports. So I'm going to explain it to you. This is how they're talking to me now. I'm not talking to you. But they, they go, they go. we're Yankees fans. And when we feel like we own the team, and we'll tell you when you suck louder than anybody, and we'll applaud louder than anybody when we feel you've done well. But our resting face is, this is mine, and you don't have permission to do anything until I tell you to do. And if you go watch any sports show, any sports center, that's the attitude. These are our Yankees, and this is what we think they should be doing, right? And as soon as that was expressed to me, that was such. That was so freeing. It was like, oh, I can play that game. That that's yeah. well. That's that's absolutely fine. And it did free. And then soon after, um, I, I was with somebody, and they pointed out that if you Google the Beatles, the third thing that Google offers you is overrated. Oh wow! Right? And yeah. then if, and then and then and then I started Googling everything that I love that I think is bulletproof, like Martin Scorsese, and so the third word was hack. Yeah. And I'm like, like enough people think yeah. that to the Google it, and then something ever have, have happened recently where someone just got hammered for something, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that them too, like like, it, and once you realize it is absolutely impossible to make everybody happy, like and it, that's our instincts as humans to to, to make people normal people want to make people, you want to make people happy, yeah. but when you realize you cannot make everybody happy, you're freed of the burden, mm-hmm. you're absolutely freed of it. So what is the what does it come down to? I will write something I know I would buy. I, I would buy this, and yeah. it should never be any more complicated than that. Yeah. If it ever gets complicated than that, then I'm, I'm, off, I'm off the rails. I've, I've done something incorrectly. So I think about that when we're picking our artists, when I'm picking the character, when I'm deciding what kind of story. Would I buy this? Take my name off it. Would I buy this? If the answer is yes, go ahead. If the answer is no, let's backtrack and rethink. And those, a lot of that I do privately. I would never bother you guys with. Yeah, but yeah. I do when I'm, when I'm, even when I was processing what was been going on at the retreat today, and mm-hmm. we were all, uh, we got everybody into a good little throb of everyone throwing ideas out. And I could see Axel was looking at me like, what are you thinking? And I'm like, I'm, I'm downloading it in, and I will, I will find a way to make it that thing I know I would buy, you know. Yeah, and that's the way that you, I think, you find that authenticity is you're not going to be able to go and tell all of the stories. You're mm-hmm. not going to be able to please everyone, yes. for sure. Yes. But you're going to kind of hone in on that one thing that makes the story true and honest and something that is true for you. Yeah. And that's something that you do really, really well. And I think it's something that for a lot of new artists and writers, they should be paying attention to because I think that's the way that you can tell a story like a Miles Morales. Well, we talked about this in the room today, so mm-hmm. we're flat out repeating stuff that we know the, what we're going to say to each other. But, but <laughs> it, we, we, we had a very very good conversation <laughs> about this, and, and and though it started as a conversation about where we are in the diversity of characters, uh, it actually became really about our relationship to the audience, and um, the the when a character starts representing something more than a character which is out of our hands really like if you some of it you kind of know it might happen but it is out of your hands and with Miles and Kamala we have this where it became more than right mm-hmm. but 
when the story is so specific to that character, like Miles goes to a charter school and he has a best friend who is this and blah blah blah, this is this is I'm only telling the story of Miles. I'm not telling the the be all end all of what I think the existence is for half African American, half Latino characters. It can't be done. It has to be a very specific story. But then readers will reach out to you and go, No, no, you I, I never went to a charter school. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not telling your biography. I'm, this is the, but the, the the representation, the request for representation, is, it gets so specific that I, it goes back to what we were just talking about. I can't do, I can't make it. There's no character in the world other than Harry Potter that represents everything to all people. It doesn't, you know, and even uh, I, I find fascinating, you've seen on Tumblr, people start shipping characters and, and, mm-hmm. and putting them all over the sexual spectrum to to more represent, they, they take over mm-hmm. the character and alter the character to, to, to be that. And uh, um, it, just knowing that there's no way to do that thing. There's no way to represent all things, all people. And I see, we see people trying it. We see people trying, and they always fail. It, yeah. I mean, it's never worked. Mm-hmm. And it's the same. And the better version of it is you'll see sometimes a creator will announce, "I've created this thing that's going to be a movie, sh- a movie, a video game, an app, and a comic book." Yeah. And then you never hear from it again. Yeah. Like it, you never. It, it, you can't make something and then turn it into everything for everybody. Mm-mm. It'll find its way. These things find. You know, and I know. I know people like what you have. A TV show, yeah, but it found its way. I didn't. I didn't go. This will be a TV show. I never said that, you know. So mm-hmm. it's just, um, it's it's fascinating. But I, I do see people trip on that mm-hmm. over the years, and then they are confused about why it didn't work. Right. And I'm like, it's because you can't. It's impossible. It's 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 like a beautiful mind. You're going to drive yourself nuts looking at the trying to grab the grab yeah. the numbers out of the air. Just do the one thing well. Just yeah, or just really be. Well. Yeah. It's not even that. Just right, honestly. Yeah. Just right truth. Mm-hmm. The truth of that character in that moment. Have the have the character as present as possible in that moment, and eighty percent of your work is done. It really, it really yeah. is. And 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 when you read it back to yourself, and it, it, it you go, mm, then it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And and it, I see I see this all the time where. A writer will write something, go, and then keep push just will push it forward. And I know, no, that your your body just told you something. It's wrong. It, it's incorrect. And 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 as it goes out into the world, and it's now out of your hands. It, 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 uh, more people will tell you you were wrong than yes. than that little voice. Was you just there have, first. have a thick skin about it. You do have to have a thick skin, but you have to be very. You also have to be very self-aware. You have to be really able to put your work away for a day, come back to it the next day, read it clear-headed, and go: Is this funny? Mm-hmm. Is this interesting? Is, could you cut a page? You yeah. know, and I do, even I ask. That do question. you cut a page? Well, Brian. you should see my first drafts. <laughs> my first drafts are. Uh, and that's hilarious because I always, I, I never like cut off a story at page twenty. Yeah. I'll take a thirty-pager and. Oh my god! And then immediately people go like, nothing happened. I go, everything happened. You know, so we have fifteen page panels. That's how it happened. I know. I did, I, 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 I did text David Marquez because I'm I'm wrestling uh, one of the last issues of Civil War Two to the ground, and I go, 
anywhere you think we can cut panels <laughs> or, or, or consolidate panels. Because I've done as much as I could, but even I'm like, this is... Because you get to a place where everyone in the Marvel Universe is talking to everyone in the Marvel Universe. Right. It's, you just feel like a jerk. <laughs> just, you know, it's, so, it's so much easier to write than draw. You're not yeah. a jerk, though. It, so well, Civil War two, yeah. it's coming yes. out. Yes, it is coming out. <laughs> um, yeah, and we, you know what? We're, I'm very happy the way it's all coming together. It, the book is absolutely beautiful. Um, David Marquez and Justin Ponser, who I worked with on um, Ultimate Spider-Man and Mile, with Miles and um, on, on Iron Man, are, we're working on the book together, and it is a spiritual sequel to the big, biggest mm-hmm. selling graphic novel of all time. But those numbers on that were crazy yes. on that first day. And, yeah. uh, uh, um, but but very proud of the fact that it is not a beat for beat uh, repeat yeah. of that first thing. It is its own story, but because it divides the heroes of the Marvel universe. Uh, in, in in a very profound way, it is Civil War Two. Like if we call it something else, people just go, "Oh, so it's Civil War Two." Yeah. I'm like, so we just said, "Okay, it's Civil War Two." <laughs> and uh, but in this, we uh, uh, a new Inhuman is born and who has the power to uh, to envision and experience a future. Uh, it could be the future or a future, and um, Carol Danvers and her and her friends, who are already on a road to proactively try to stop things before they happen, be a little more smarter than just being defensive all the time. Um, she's a great. We'll use these visions to do things. And Tony Stark, the futurist, who actually kind of religiously believes in the future and letting it unfold. Uh, is kind of horrified by the ramifications of this, that it's very close to profiling, and as the story goes on, the question of whether it is profiling or not becomes a thing. Are we arresting people before they do something? Are we arresting people for thought? Uh, These things, um, and the story gets more and more complicated, and the morality of it gets grayer, so that the the characters are truly tested, and a lot of big things happen to a lot of our big players over the course of the the, um, series, and we just left a, a retreat where um, uh, all the editors and writers get together, and I, uh, I, even though I have my ending uh, laid out in broad strokes, I wanted to bring it to the table to have everyone uh, beat it up. So basically, <laughs> the internet—that's what we do. They, they, that's what the retreats are great for. You, you throw an idea out there, and if it doesn't last in the room, it wasn't going to last on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter wasn't going to buy it, you know. So it, it is—it is a good equalizer. It's a good way to yeah. really let you know if your stuff has is worth a damn. So. Um, so yeah, so we so we're uh, we're we're ready to go. Yeah, it's a and, big Marvel event. And this and what's cool about it for a lot of uh, lots of Carol Core listeners here, Brian. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, this will elevate Captain Marvel very much. So she's going to be a very very big power player. Um, I'm actually very excited about it because uh, I think it's it's kind of about time that Carol has her her turn and and for people to kind of uh, pay attention to why she's so important, and so powerful in the, in the Marvel universe. And my belief in Carol is well stated. I, I even spent, you know, as far back as House of M, which was um, like the first event of this cycle of uh, yeah. of events. Um, one of the big takeaways for me was to set up Carol on a quest to be the best version of Carol that, that she could be. Um, and then in the hands of Kelly Sue, found it. Yeah. Uh, um, and if you don't like what I do um, to Carol in, in Civil War Two, I just remember that Kelly Sue's one of my best friends, and <laughs> our kids play together, and um, I, I should get a pass. So, um, but 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 truthfully, what I'm so happy about, as you said, that she has um, through the Carol Core and the fans, and just through the way she's been. 
been taken care of by so many excellent writers that she has uh, ascended to a place where uh, she would be able to lead an event um, mano a mano against Tony Stark. Uh, in such a profound way, and it's all in character. It's, it, what was great about it is that we were like talking about just the the, the most basic premise of the series before we even knew who who was in it. It was like um, it, it, Carol was the obvious and only choice for this, and that's perfect. That's perfect character stuff. So yes, I'm very absolutely. Excited about Me that. too. Yeah. Well, so Civil War Two is going to be on sale in June, uh, obviously this year. Um, we'll have much more promotions around it coming up soon, uh, and of course, uh, Brian at the helm. I'm very, very excited about because I think you're going to do an amazing job. Thank you. Uh, I'm probably going to have to unplug my computer around June. Yeah. So if you want to reach me, <laughs> Telegram is a good way. Are you going to stay off the internet for three months, four I, months? I I wish I was strong enough to do that, <laughs> but I. I, I and, but truthfully, if, if if it affected me in like affected my writing, like we were talking about before, like if I was buckling. To to, yeah. to to making every I, I would um, I I know I, I won't <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll I, it's summertime so hopefully I'm outside playing but uh, with my kids but um, you know we we live in a, a, a weird world I mean the you know with leaks and people you know spoiling stuff and don't stop it. <laughs> Let people have a story. I get so many people complaining to me. Why can't I just enjoy a story? Why is everything spoiled for me? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know, because it's a bummer. Because it used to be like you'd have to actively look for a spoiler, mm-hmm. and now we just headlines of major magazines and websites spoil, spoil, spoil. It's so you know? mean. It is, it's just, it's... and it's like, and like I remember I was reading Entertainment Weekly, and I was like six episodes behind on Lost, and I turned the page, and the headline was like a yeah. flat out spoiler that I never went back to watch Lost again. I'm like, oh, ruined. It so I get it. Fun, like, yeah. it's and, and we're. So, and just so you guys know, we so badly want that, you know, when we were kids, when a, a Bullseye Killed Electra in Daredevil 181, nobody knew, there was no internet, no one knew what was going to happen. I threw it across the room in shock. It legitimately shocked me. We all want to create that moment. And it just is not allowed. Mm-hmm. We have the, 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 the hoops we have to go through just to stop, you know, some stuff. But yeah, we... Um, uh, um, so, so hopefully some of the stuff will not, you know, the, but uh, the, my, a lot of my X-Men stuff, I got to, I got to s- slip through without spoiling. Literally, I would have to like not even put the characters on the cover, like oh, do yeah. nothing to promote it at all, just to try to engage people's uh, surprise mm-hmm. factor. But yeah. And we're just trying to entertain you. Uh, honestly, just, yeah, just so you guys know, we want you to be surprised. This this whole thing, this machine that goes around us, right. it is it is flat out of our control <laughs> in the guise of news. Right, right, know? right. But yeah, it, it, it's it. so just so you know that this is our takeaway from the retreat is we just want to make have funny fun stories for you and you know when we let us. No one lets us. Poor us and our high class problems. <laughs> yeah, man, man. Well, um, we're gonna to, to close out. We're gonna switch which gears real quick and do like a quick fire of nerd questions for you. Well, good luck with that. For, well, not, no, no, it's the, not the like... The questions only... No, 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 it's, it's more for like really eight-year-old Brian Bendis. Okay. Okay? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go. So, first things first, we have a little movie coming out in a few weeks, Marvel's Captain America Civil War. Whose team are you on? Captain America or Iron Man? Uh, 
I, I'm, I actually, I'm, I'm a writer of Civil War. I'm not a lot of answer. I actually worked on the movie. I'm not a lot of, I'm not a lot of answer. <laughs> Who's eight-year-old? Eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. Before, pre, pre. Uh, eight, well, I'll tell you this. Uh, um, eight, eight-year-old me is manifested in, in uh, Henry Leo uh, Diffraction, which is Kelly Sue's son. Oh, my God. Uh, who so was cute. over my house. He's yeah. the cutest guy in the world and very fiercely intelligent and very into pop culture. We were out somewhere, and he said... Um, what I would like to happen in this movie is I would like Nick Fury to show up, put his arm around each of them, and go, "Your friends, stop fighting." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I, 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 "So it's hard to imagine eight-year-old me wouldn't say the same thing." But that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's a good answer. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was. I won't have a better answer than that. Um, okay, next, Aven- Avengers or X Men? We're in both. <sighs> Avengers. Oh, okay. But, but, but on, the, on the on the literally skin of the teeth. The really yeah, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and honestly, because I, I I spent way more time with Avengers, and I've been away from them longer, and I miss them more. Where okay. where X Men like hilariously, I, I said this in the room the other day. There's a, a funny Marvel thing that's brand new is that our books come out right away, and we get response like right away, like a Wednesday here right away, and then the trade comes out you hear from the trade. But now there's this new thing where six months later the books all end up on Marvel Unlimited, and then all of a sudden they're binging something and yelling at me about something that happened like a year ago, and I'm like. <laughs> What was it? And, and it'll be a lot of it. Like, there was like, so I'm getting a lot of like first year X Men yells and a lot of out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, unlimited. Okay. I'm like, what? Like, I feel like I time traveled. <laughs> so I still feel like I'm still in the X Men world as far as like fan relationship is concerned. Like, I'm still dealing with uh, with that stuff. So, so Avengers. Okay. I, I, do, I, I truly miss writing them. I, I really do. It was a big part of my life and I was very proud of it. Okay, who would you Wallace. like to help uh, co-host your late night show? Beast, Emma, or Squirrel Girl? Ooh, that's that's tough. Squirrel Girl would make a better show. Emma would get better ratings. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, so yeah. corporate of you. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm torn. I, I would ask for Squirrel Girl, and they would give me Emma. Yeah. yeah, Emma cosplay is the most startling cosplay <laughs> in is. all of. And I can. We love cosplayers and when people come up dressed as your characters and I had you know I had done a lot of shows over the last couple of years because I had a lot of kids but I, I just did WonderCon and did Emerald City and I, I the, the Jessica Joneses have kind of overtaken the Carol Corps not to brag and it's <laughs> we'll also see. a much easier costume to pull off it really it's is a, a I have it I have it's, it at home yeah. yeah it's a scarf and a flask <laughs> and, uh, um, but it, it's it's very very sweet and it's very very nice um, when Jessica's come up they, they, it just looks basically like how I dress, but uh, uh, but um, uh, when Emma comes up, anyone comes up to Emma outfit, it's you don't know where to look. You're, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's off putting. Okay, uh, and, last... and, makes, and as the writer of X Men went, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna put a jacket on. <laughs> you're gonna catch a cold. That's not. That's you're not. Gonna catch a cold. That's not. That's not. You can tell her daughter's not. Go back. Go back to your room and put something on. Yeah. I like that response. Yeah. Um, okay, last question: Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy? Uh, Ultimate Gwen Stacy, or I'd say yeah, six one six Mary Jane, but Ultimate Gwen Stacy. Well, uh, broadly speaking, that's now now we're getting a little bit too specific. I told you, you I'm not going to use answers. Fine, fine, fine. Ultimate, Ultimate Gwen Stacy. Yeah, it'd be Ultimate Gwen Stacy. Yeah, but uh, but I'm right now writing Mary Jane in the Iron Man books, and I'm enjoying it immensely. I love her. So good. I love her. She's this character that I lucked out. I love characters that are 
looking for the road. Yeah. And she's she's looking for the road. It, it's fantastic. Yes, actually, Brian is writing uh, both Iron Man books that are out right now, which is a lot of a lot of fun. I feel like you write Tony so well. <laughs> um, so definitely Thank check you. that out. And of course, he's, he's the hardest to write. Is he? He's so that? he's smarter than us. Oh well, yeah. He, he doesn't think the way I think, but I know people who think this way. I know people who are already on to the next conversation while yeah. you're still talking to them. Yeah. And uh, it's like this is a David Mamet movie called uh, Heist, and uh, Gene Hackman stars in it. And he uh, and they and they go, "How'd you pull off that heist?" And he goes, "I thought of a smarter man. I thought, what would he do?" And that's literally <laughs> what I do when I'm writing when I'm writing Tony Stark. What's what's I, I have to get into an elevated state. But uh, on top of all things going on in, in Civil War, we're going to find out who Tony's biological parents are very very soon in the cool. pages of International Iron Man. Amazing with Alex Malik. Well, uh, there you have it. Brian Michael Bendis, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate um, all of the amazing work that you do, uh, but also just the, the, the legacy that you've created um, for making Marvel what it is today. And um, I'm excited about what you're going to bring us. Am I fired? I feel like you're just It was great me. knowing you. <laughs> I have the power to do that, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> sure. That's exactly right before our big event. We'll be firing you on the Women well, of Marble podcast. Well, no, that's good. I don't have to write the ending. That's the hardest part. That's, you can't um, fire him until he's done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, thank you guys. This is awfully nice. I'm very, very happy to be here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We'll check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe. We hope you're all enjoying our Voices of Marvel series. If you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, please tweet them at Marvel hashtag Woman of Marvel or email us at womanof at marvel.com. We're working towards our 100th episode, but if you have any suggestions, please send them our way. As always, we thank you for a rate and review on iTunes, and we'll check you guys next week. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>